0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Before we jump to Brown's Film Breakdown on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, coming at you about betonline.ag, one of our faithful sponsors here, on Browns Phone Breakdown, one of the best out there in the online gambling industry. They're the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, Masters, Major League Opening Day, all coming up, all right around the corner. You can bet on so many different things. Bet on the Browns to win the Super Bowl, get your long shot odds. Do it now. BetOnline.ag is going to help you with that. And the best part is they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, no spaces at all there, to receive your literal free money. Free money, give it, get some money back. It's the best of both worlds. Plus, signing up is a great way to support this podcast Browns won't break down. Listening in your earballs right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And we are off with today's podcast. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select
2: Baker Mayfield.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to Brownsville Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you. Combine Week. Things are picking up. It's a national event now. It's all over the mainstream media. I have two of our Uh, OBR correspondents coming on to chat about it. Going to have some good conversations about them with insights from the beginning of the process to now as we are into the official on-field testing portion. A lot going on tonight. We're going to talk prospects. We're going to dive into everything... All of the different prospects leading into the draft are not going to rush this thing. It's a long, circuitous path to April 23rd. We'll get everything covered. The tackles are the hot topic right now because they spent a lot of time interviewing, and the Browns are probably going to take one of them early. If not with the 10th pick, then with their second round pick. I would imagine, barring some sort of Isaiah Simmons shocker, they're going to take a tackle in the first round. We'll see. Um, We're going to cover all of that. Uh, Before we do, I want to talk about Tony Grossi. It's a big topic this week, his comments about Baker Mayfield. Look, I'm a believer in second chances. I think people do make mistakes. I have not had the cleanest of of lives up to this point. I think that people do make mistakes, but I think it's about how you learn from those mistakes. Do you repeat the mistakes? I think everybody can make a mistake once, but do you learn from it as a human? And do you grow? Do you try to become a better person somehow, some way? I think everybody strives to do that, hopefully. Some people don't. This is... Um, not Tony's first mistake in this regard, uh, in terms of speaking out of uh, you know the right place or the right the right talking points. I'm not listen. I'm not here to make judgments. I think people do make mistakes. It's a matter of how forgiving you want to be in such a small work environment, such as the Cleveland media. And um, you know, I think there's a limited amount of jobs up there for a limited amount of spaces to get insight and access to this team. And I don't think the relationship between the fans and the media up there is healthy. Certainly think the players don't find it to be the healthiest either. And when you have people who are specifically agitating, I don't think it's a healthy environment. Look, I don't know what they do with Tony. I think he's always been nice to me. Um, Hell, I'm not even sure if he remembers my name. It's neither here nor there. But I just think that it seems like they're holding him accountable. I don't know if they give him – Uh, his job back I'm not sure it's not for me obviously to care really or decide about but I just hope that whoever is in that role whether it's the person currently occupying it or whoever's next, that they they value what opportunity they have and uh, they they aim to get the most from the athletes in terms of interesting insight and, and it's less about who they are and more about what the stories are that they can provide so mistakes happen people try to recover from them you should learn and become a better person i hope he gets there hope they figure that out otherwise that is the only browns news in the media this week uh we will we will jump in now and um you know sort of discuss the combine i think it's going to be fascinating to see how things evolve over the next two weeks and into free agency so we won't waste any more time let's get over to our interview with fred greetham Right, covering as much as we can of the OBR's venture to Indy. We had two of the key cogs over in Indianapolis, you know, covering as many GM interviews as we could possibly cover, head coach interviews some of the player interviews. I think the OBR did a nice job of covering these things. I was not able to go, but we did send over a couple of people I think would do a fantastic job, and they have done a fantastic job covering it this week. Uh, Fred Greetham. Fred is uh, you know is our OBR beat writer. He's an analyst for us, wears many hats, does the WTAM pregame show. He hosts that, among many other things. The Triv Show, Will and Snyder Munch on Sports. He's a man, the myth, the legend. He, listen, Fred, Fred was the guy when I went to the media room um my first you know a couple years ago when i went up there for some for some camp stuff he was the only guy to to spend time chatting with me and talking to me and teaching me everything and i will never forget that fred buddy i really won't because it was a it could be an intimidating place man how are you
2: i'm doing great and i've enjoyed you know working with you for you know i'm glad that we're still able to to do things together so yeah thanks for those kind words
1: yeah absolutely i mean that i mean i mean uh I mean all of it because it was. It's you know your young young guy going into a place you've never been before. You're blown away by the look of that complex in Berea and all the faces you've known for so long. And it was nice to have somebody teach me those things. So I'm not just trying to build Fred up and pump his ego, but I'm being genuine and he knows that. We worked together for a couple of years. We will for the foreseeable future. I want his insights on what's going on at uh, at the combine. So it's the first real exposure, Fred, of. Uh, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry sort of working hand in hand, trying to say the same messages across the board. Those interviews in Indy where you get the GM at the podium alone and you get the coach at the podium alone. First time to really get those guys outside of Berea where they kind of have to play the robotic answer the question the right way. And I know they don't give much away. Andrew Barry's especially tight lipped on things, but you know, what's your takeaway, Fred, of how those guys look, feel, seem as a, as,
2: as a sort of a, you know, a a duo there. Well, I think they, they really work together pretty well, at least so far so good. They said they've spent tons and tons of time the last four weeks together. And they really feel that, you know, that they are on the same page and, they really feel like they hit the ground running. As you said, they didn't give a, away a lot of information um, as expected, but you do get a feel, especially when they got away from the podium. We talked to them on the side when it was on the cuff and speaking, you know, just a little, a little less formal. And I really do feel like they are on the same page. Um, and pulling on the rope together, I, that's one thing. Thing really hasn't happened in recent years, and I know that that was the big talk was aligning and the alignment. And I, I sure feel like these two are, you know, they are almost finishing each other's sentences. You know, and you know, and there's almost some concern: are they going to disagree, or are they just going to get along with everything? But they were even asked that, and um, and they think that you know that that's not going to be. They do have disagreements, but they are able to work it out, and they're able to, you know, come to a I think the big the big word collaboration it just seems like they're getting everybody's input and then trying to make a consensus decision and ultimately Andrew Berry's going to have to pull the trigger and that's going to be the biggest question you know with a 32 year old running the show for the first time.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's certainly what's interesting to me Fred is 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 the Browns have seemed to have had either a head coach or a gm one side of the other who has been i would say self absorbed is the way to put it they 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 certainly i think everybody who gets jobs at this level have a little bit of that self absorbed nature quite a bit of, uh, of you know hubris in terms of belief that they're the right guy. And I think these guys probably have it too. But the early impressions of them is they're certainly cut from the same cloth. Their mannerisms are very similar. Their sort of lack of overarching, uh, I think, over-the-top emotion. They're very even-keeled type of guys. They're both obviously Ivy League background guys. But they just seem like guys who think through everything. And they don't do things that are off the cuff. And I don't feel like they do anything... Uh, at least publicly, that would make you think, uh, you know, that they're... And if you watch Stefanski on the sidelines, uh, this time in Minnesota, they just seem like they're guys who are very, um, you know, practical, pragmatic. They they, they certainly feel, I think, like you said, Fred, for the first time, guys who you could actually envision in the room, uh, you know, saying, what do you think? And actually caring about what someone else thinks that's not, you know, that maybe doesn't see the game the same way they do. So that, to me, is encouraging. I'm glad that you saw some of that up close and personal, uh, and, and it's great that you guys can get them off to the side. Um, you know, it, it certainly is, is 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 nice to get them away from the limelight and you get some more quotes.
2: And, and, to, and to, to speak to those quotes... Yeah, and I do get that feeling, you know, that both have set their ego aside and really want to make this work, you know. Um for the betterment of the Browns and and so that's that's the ultimate ultimate goal you know is is winning games you know in this fall
1: yeah no I'm with it I think that those two seem so far like they're on the same path I think they talked about some some key highlights from um, I think that there were some certain players discussed uh, Kevin Njoku or sorry David Njoku um, Kareem Hunt uh, among some others did you pick up any nuggets from them sort of where they're leaning with some of those guys to uh, joe Schobert as well
2: yeah um as far as schobert basically yeah i think that i read between the line that um very late it can travel to free agency that you know they're still hopeful they can get something done but anything can happen when you get to free agency you know he he alluded to that you know core players Extended them way before they get to this point, you know. He was involved when Mitchell Schwartz got away, and uh, I think that Stefanski had talked about big plans he has for Najoku. So it sounds like they really feel that you know he's in their future. And Barry did say that they are gonna they're planning on picking up his fifth year option. So that means that he is in the plans, you know, at least in the near future. And so as well as Miles Garrett, the, they're, that's kind of a no brainer, but I think the Njoku was a little bit, you know, of a telltale. Now, of course, Barry was involved, you know, when they traded up to get Najoku. So some of these guys that he was here with, you would think the door might be a little more open, especially a guy maybe even like I do think they want Schilbert. And I do think that they're trying to figure out, you know, I don't know what will happen here this close to free agency. When guys get to free agency, anything can happen because somebody blows them away with an offer and they're gone. And so I think that Kareem Hunt, he said that they intend to tender him. He wouldn't say at what level. You know, obviously there's two or three different ways you can tender them, And then you get a much higher pick and teams are – uh, likely not to offer him, knowing they'd have to give up a first round or a second round pick if they, they sign him and you don't match it. So I don't know what will happen there, but I think they intend to bring him back this year for sure. I don't know beyond that if they're looking you know, to extend him or, or where they're at with him. I do think a lot of it's the off-field issue. Um, they, they've mentioned several times they want to, as long as he – follows what they've laid out for them. So I do think things might be a little different starting April 6th. Both these guys have alluded to being able to talk to the team and laying down their ground rules when the team comes back April 6th.
1: Yeah, I I think they're going to lay their foot down pretty quick and uh, giving guys a chance with a clean slate with this group, and I think they're going to try to set that locker room culture, and it'll be It'll be pretty important uh that they carry through with that pretty quickly. The last thing I want to talk to you about Fred, you had a lot of insight on the offensive line they're obviously interviewing abundance of offensive tackles they're they're going to take one early, whether that's the first pick in the you know the, their, their tenth pick in the first round or whether that's something in the second third or picking one early and taking' one late in the fourth or fifth they're going to take two i think that's pretty much a given at this point even regardless of what they do in free agency um you know i don't don't know how jack conklin's going to shake out but it seems like he's going to price himself out of cleveland's range but what did you any any nuggets takeaways from what they're looking for with their offensive linemen or guys you were impressed by in your time there
2: well you know i yeah i agree i think they need to take you know a bunch of offensive linemen and hope a couple can play but there's some big big human beings you know that mech I don't know how you pronounce it, Meckie Becton. Man, is he an impressive physical specimen, you know, 6'7", 6, 6, I don't know how he would go in the wide zone, but uh, he said he played it at Louisville. And so, you know, I don't know if he'll get that far, but he's very articulate, very well-spoken individual. I was impressed, you know, with him. I was impressed with, uh, I think it's Joshua Johnson from Houston Josh Jones and Josh um, Jones. okay Jones there's so many different names there I think yeah but uh he, he was very well spoken very athletic you know is what he says is athleticism Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Isaiah Wilson talked to both of them and uh, both of them talked about how they would love to be able to block for Nick Chubb again and um the kid from Alabama, Thomas, he was he was also impressive. I talked to Niang, I think from Texas Christian. Um, he's coming back from some injury, but he feels that that he would be, you know, someone, he could be somebody in play. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Um, he is, he, you know, he talked about bench, pr- or not bench pressing, but lifting like 500 pounds. And, uh, he's a pretty athletic specimen and could be somebody, you know, that they could look at in the wide zone. Um, yeah, there's eight or nine different guys I put on the website, little clips from them, but some big human beings. And, and I think there's several and they just got to get the guy that'll fit, you know, for them, hopefully he'd be available. And Barry said he'd be aggressive to go up or down in the draft and, you know, I I don't want you know, we're all afraid to analyze it today the first round three times, you know, when Sashi Brown was there and passed on some pretty big name quarterbacks. And uh he keeps insisting that he learned from Howie Roseman, you know, to be aggressive, you know, and we'll see what happens there. But as far as those offensive tackles, yeah, I I saw some, they all you know, look pretty impressive, you know, physical specimens. we can see, you know, they're going to have to grade out if they fit into the system and who's the best fit for it and who's available to them. Yeah, the good thing is, Fred, that there's an, there's there's quite a few
1: of them that are at the top half of the draft that, that uh, you know, the Browns should feel good about the, the abundance of different types that they can look at and some that really fit the wide zone scheme you're talking about. And um, it's a good time to need a tackler too because I think there's some really fun guys who could go mid to late round too, so – um, listen, that's Fred Greetham. He's got great insights from Indy. He will continue to drop nuggets uh, into next week as more guys uh, come and go from the combine and over the weekend and all of that good stuff. So he will be with us. We got big plans in the future about how we're going to do some more podcasting. We'll get to that later. But Fred is uh, is is a guy you should be following. Make sure you're following him for his work on the beat. He's there every day. He's there grinding. He's there getting quotes. He's he's, he's asking the right questions. And if you're looking for that unbiased approach, that that guy who will just ask the questions that matter, he's one of them. So uh, follow Fred. Uh, he's on he's on Twitter at Fred Griefham. Uh, is is uh, simple, pretty pretty simple handle is just his name. Some people get wild. I even put eighteen at the end of mine. But you can find Fred, like I said, at Fred Greetham. You can get him at the OBR. Find his stuff there too. Fantastic, Fred. Thanks for taking some time for me as usual, buddy. I uh, I appreciate you uh, you know joining me here late
2: at night. Always okay, pleasure, Jake.
1: Okay, on to part two of the OBRs. Indianapolis Combine update. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one with Fred uh, Greetham, you can go back and listen to that. I don't know why you would have skipped that. Maybe you're crazy. Maybe you jump around podcasts. You're a lunatic. I don't know. But we talked to Fred earlier. Fred tagged out. He is now on his way on the on the path back to Ohio. He tagged in uh, our other OBR um, correspondent, which is Jared Mueller at Jared K Mueller on um, you know Twitter. You can find him there. You can find him at the OBR. And he will be giving us some enlightening content from Indy. Jared, how are you tonight, my friend?
0: Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm feeling old. It is, you know, late at night and it, the night's just uh, getting started. <laughs> yeah,
1: your night in Indy, man, those are well, they've shifted your whole schedule. So it is it used to be the early stuff would get knocked out and then you could you could go do shenanigans for the evening hours. But now they have they're running this thing like yeah, it's now prime it's... time, right? So what do you what what's you going out later? It's 10 o'clock east. You going out?
0: Um, it depends. I'll shoot a few texts out to some agents and some other people and see what's, what's going down. But it's very possible that, uh, yesterday was the last day any socialization was going to happen. Um, because the agent or not to the agents, but All the teams are in Lucas Oil until 11 o'clock tonight. And so the odds of them going out afterwards, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday of this week are pretty slim to none. And so there's a lot of media people who um, are planning to leave or have already left because of that schedule. Um, But it's such an interesting thing. They literally closed the media room at four o'clock today. Um, even though the measurements and all or the on-field activity started about four o'clock. So it tells you how much they cared about us being involved in the process at all. So if you have the NFL network at, on your, at your hotel, you can watch it there or you can watch it at a bar, but that's really what they, they had us doing basically.
1: So they're out. They don't care about the media. They just want the TV ratings. They don't care about your social life. NFL isn't here to is here to kill the Indianapolis bar scene, um, but we can get some nuggets from Jared about anything. Jared, you have uh, immediate takeaways on you. Maybe you have have noticed and uh, you know I don't know if you were there for the Barry Stefanski interviews or anything of that nature. Maybe you were, but essentially, what have you sort of stepped back and said, hmm, that is interesting. I mean, your time in Indy.
0: So, I think there's a couple of things that have been really interesting uh, so far. One was last night. So, I actually missed this as well. But so, last night at one of the uh, establishments that many people go to, uh, Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta, and Kevin Stefanski were in the building pretty much the entire night. And the only person that got talked to by anyone, media fans, Whatever was Andrew Barry, and that was not very often. So, um, and I'm getting this report from someone that I trust very well, but basically, they were just left alone where they were, which is why I didn't even know they were there. Uh, normally, you know, when we're here, there's a few places, and so certain people go here and here and here and here, and then you kind of find out okay, the people you might want to talk to or at least introduce yourself to or whatever are going to be here or there are here. You, we got none of that. And so I have literally not seen, uh, outside of you know the official stuff, I have not seen a single Browns person, period. And that's the first time. So this is my sixth or seventh year coming over to the Combine in a variety of roles and fashions. And it's the first year that that's been true. And so um, it is telling at some level that you know, the GM and Paul DePodesta and the head coach, um, you know, coach, uh, the the most beautiful coach in the world, according to some fans, um, could just be someplace and no one's bothering them or no one's even just talking to them. So that was really interesting. And I think the other thing that I continue to hear is how, and again, it's the buzzword, but how analytics, uh, how data, how... Um, predictive nature of football is going to continue and going to strengthen uh, how it's driven in, in Cleveland. And the best way I can describe that um, is a conversation I was having. And the best way to say it is the Browns basically want to take all the information from people who have done NFL football well. They want to basically take the information from them and try to replicate it because that's really what – they're trying to do they're trying to look at who has been successful in the NFL what did they do and how can we do it and so um, it's just been interesting to hear some of the the ways that's being talked about here in Indy how there still is that almost boogeyman in the corner kind of feel Um, and when that happened with Sashi Brown totally different situation Andrew Berry is a scout scout he's he played in college he's that guy Uh, Kevin Stavansky obviously was with the Vikings forever, but when that happened with uh, Sashi Brown, there actually was some disconnect between Sashi and the NFL as a whole and agents and, and, and other teams. There is, there was almost a, um, he's over there and we're over here. I haven't heard that yet, but there is, I do have a little bit of a concern about how the NFL kind of accepts the Browns kind of quote unquote, going back to analytics. I I
1: told Fred the same thing um, when he sort of talked about the the interviews those guys had because it's unique at the Combine where you get to pull both of them. Um, not only from their time up in front of the microphone, but getting them to the side, you get some different perspectives. And it's always nice to just sort of hear an update of where your team is and where the thought process is. And it's just so easy to see that those guys are cut from the same cloth. They're, they're Ivy League backgrounds, and they're sort of almost robotic, pragmatic approach, and, and, and you don't get those crazy quotes that you got from John Dorsey or the crazy quotes <laughs> you got from Hugh Jackson back It's like this is the first front office head coach pairing where I could say, I see those guys probably hanging out on the side. Like they, they could easily be the type of guys who mess really well. Now they might be not be the most fun Friday Saturday night crowd. Who knows? They could be <laughs> behind closed doors. But, but it's like I could see those guys. Finally, I think that there's a lack of ego at at both of those uh, in those roles. I could see them sitting in a room and saying, "Hey, what do you think?" And genuinely caring what the other person has to say. Right? Like I think that's that's a thing, and that could go far. I'm I'm very interested to see. I do think. You know, you made a good point there, Jared, with with Sasha Brown sort of being alienated in his 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 tenure, because it was it was uh, a little less accepted back then. I mean, we're three years, excuse me, four years removed now from that. And I think that that um, data driven approach has become more common, not overwhelmingly common, but more common. And uh, I do find it interesting how well this will work for them and how well received it will be. I think it is going to be received a little bit better, I hope, than last time. And uh, I think they have the right guys in place. But but, but I don't want to spend our entire time talking about that. We've done this. We've talked about this stuff. you talked <laughs> about it. I've talked about it. I'm interested in what you, you think um, about where they are right now. Uh, I, in terms of you wrote about tackles. You wrote about Jedrick Wills, You put up a scouting report on him. Um, if you're a subscriber at the OBR, you probably read it. If you haven't, go back and check it out. He put one up on Andrew Thomas, too. I'm um, Just sort of where you are. You you wrote about Cordy Glenn being released, and it's a common question right now, right? Like, will the Browns draft two offensive tackles and, and back-to-back and start those young guys, or will they go out and sign uh, a free agent? Like, Jack Conklin is obviously going to... Pro- say obviously i think he might price his way out of cleveland cleveland doesn't have an overwhelming amount of cap space for what they want and there's like jack conklin and everyone else now because costanza went back right there's some older guys whitworth and lane johnson or um shoot not lane johnson uh, who am i thinking jason peters there's some older names out there but it's like you know the cordy glenn types might be interesting like i i I think they end up jared taking two tackles i think they take one early whether that is, is somebody like isaiah simmons falls to them at 10 and they take him there and they try to take and maybe move up and take a you know barry has talked about the idea of moving up too is the idea of moving back but they could move up right they could take a, a tackle there early in the second round late in the first round if they move back up enough Um, Or maybe they take a tackle 10 and they take a tackle in the third or fourth round. I think they take two. Where are you at um, sort of who you prefer? I know you haven't put up anything on like Worfs or Becton yet, but I'm sure you've seen some of those guys. Like where are you sitting at where you prefer those guys there to take a 10?
0: Yeah, so I think right now for me, I'll go through my kind of the rankings Um, just for the Browns. And that's going to be key. There are a lot of guys who are really just looking at these players as overall players, but obviously we're focused on the Browns just for the Browns. For me, um, Wills and Becton are lower uh, than even someone like Josh Jones, um, who uh, at least in my cursory look, so I'm uh, I'm very methodical with kind of watching this and not trying to blend people together too much. Um, but I think when I get done with this whole process of specifically those five, and then I'll add Lucas Niang, uh, Austin Jackson... Um, and a few others, um, I think I'm going to end up with Andrew Thomas on top. I understand all of the concerns that people have and the random conversations about him as guard. And I know he, um, there's some inefficiencies with his technique, um, and there's, there's some consistency issues there, um. But he is someone, in the best way I can describe him, I'm not comparing him to Joe Thomas, but I'm comparing him in this way. Joe Thomas didn't jump off the page, right? He wasn't someone who was pancaking guys down the field and and just throwing people out of the building kind of thing. Like, that wasn't him. He kept people from touching his quarterback, right? He He blocked people. He used technique. He used finesse. He used strength. He used all of those things. I think Andrew Thomas, throughout this process, he may actually go down in some people's eyes, because Jedrick wills uh, his strength and some of his movement skills are, there's a lot of good there. Uh, obviously Becton is this huge guy can move all over the place. Um, Worfs Wurfs is some tape that is really hard for me right now it's why I haven't wrote his up yet because um, I see a lot of good and then I I see him struggle at times that that gives me some concern so uh, Thomas I don't really have a lot of those there's going to be a couple times where there's definitely times where you're like okay I see this I don't like that that was a bad rep all of that kind of stuff but I think I'm going to end up with Thomas at top um, and then probably Wurfs Jones Wills uh, and Becton, and my two things with uh, the last two guys because those are guys other people are really high on. Is I don't I can't stand Jedrick Wills' use of his hands. Um, it drives me crazy. Um, he he literally, and I know some of it's Alabama coaching, um, but he literally lets people into his body before he ever gets his hands on them, and that works when you're bigger and stronger and faster. It doesn't work at the NFL level. But I watched him run block with his shoulder. I watched him pass block with his chest like those are not things I want to see from my offensive lineman even if it's coach it's just not something I feel comfortable with um, given all the details that I think the wide zone scheme needs uh, from your offensive lineman like I want someone who can move and someone who's a technician with their hands because their hands and feet have to work together and then with Beckton. I don't know if you can have someone that size, no matter how athletic they are. I don't know how you have someone that size move that often, like in that far, like the difference between, you know, that power scheme and that straight ahead blocking and having to, you know, him run across the field. 20, 30 times a half or whatever it would be. I just don't know if at that size, if you can get low enough while you're also trying to move that mass, right? You're trying to move that mass and stay low. So you get good leverage. I think that's going to be really difficult. Um, and so that's where I'm at with kind of the, the, the players when it comes to what they do. I, I get the idea of drafting too early, uh, but I just, it doesn't seem to fit I think what they're going to want to do. So I do think someone like, and Cordy Glenn's probably not the the best example, but he's the most recent example. I think they're going to try to find um, somebody in free agency that they think maybe was in the wrong system, couldn't move, you know, can move and maybe wasn't a good power player, whatever it was, um, and let that person fight with a Drew Forbes um, or maybe even a Wyatt Teller uh, while drafting that starting left tackle uh, at the 10th pick. I'll just be blunt about Isaiah Simmons, who you brought up, who kind of seems like the only other number uh, pick at number 10 is A, I'd rather pay Joe Chobert, and B, Isaiah Simmons is an off the ball linebacker, and I just don't value those guys. I know they have value, but I don't value them when I could either trade down or I could draft a starting left tackle. He's a linebacker, he can't play safety. I mean, he's versatile, but I just, I don't value those guys unless you rust the passer uh, or, or a cornerback or that true center field free safety outside of that, that top 10 is, is rarefied air, um, you know, for someone like, um, Brown up the middle from Auburn or somebody like that, or even, uh, Javon Kinlaw, like there are, there are more impactful players at the number 10 pick.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you on a lot of those things. I, th- I certainly the, the 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 analysis of those tackles to me is is pretty spot on. I think Josh Jones is starting to creep into that mix, especially if they consider moving down. But like Isaiah Simmons, I think you are you're right on valuing other positions more. I, I certainly am in line with that, especially with somebody like Derrick Brown. It's it's just to me with what Cleveland need, and I know that that need word gets really scary <laughs> to people, but they do need. Listen, their second level middle of the field is is non existent right now. We think Joe Schobert may come back. We don't know. They don't have a nickel corner. They have nobody that can play the slot that they that should play the slot. I think they have guys (laughs) who can do it, like Denzel Ward and Greedy might be able to do it, but. They don't have a consistent nickel, and they don't have safety threats right now. I mean, Shutter Gredwine has some potential, Justin Burris has some potential, but we don't know, so it's like a guy like Simmons who can do all three of those things. I could see why the Browns would be very intrigued with him, and I certainly could see why he might fit fit them. I do think somebody ends up taking him before 10, so I don't think it ends up panning out, but uh, I do think it'll be interesting if he's there, if they consider taking him um, but listen, there's so much to be, they could sign Joe back, they could sign a nine linebacker, they could sign a safety, and we're not, and it's like, it's moot, it's nothing. This is all premature, free agency determines a lot, it will determine a lot for this team, um, and, and it certainly will determine a lot for for where they take their draft picks, as it as it does for every team across the league. Um, but yeah, those are good insights on, on those tackles. They're, the good thing is, Jared, I feel okay with, there are guys in the first two tiers that I'm super intrigued by, and I think they can get one or two of those guys um, if they want to. And I think that that's, uh, something yeah, that something I makes mean, should feel good about. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, like it's the right draft for them. And that's the, the thing that makes me feel good is, well, at least it's a draft where they, the need matches, the value matches the talent, right? So the need is at a position of value that you could use a top five, top 10 pick. And there are players that, generally speaking now each team is not going to have five of them that are worth top 10 15 value in their board but in general there are players that many of us who analyze them are going to say you know what i can see why you would pick josh jones in the top 15 or any of the other guys in the in the top 10 kind of thing and so you know it's it's a blessing because imagine not having that right uh, you know imagine really your biggest need was a tight end and you have the number 10 pick and And there's no tight end that you're going to pick. Right. So at least the Browns are in a position in a draft where uh, that player exists. You know, there's a few of them and they make sense at different levels. Listen, if the Browns have to, quote unquote, settle for Jedrick Wills or Becton, I'm good. Right. Like that's that they're not they're not my top guys. But if it was any other draft, I would be like, let's see if we can get those guys. We need them. Just in this draft, I think there's guys that fit a little bit better. And I think that's the that's the blessing this year.
1: It's rare. It's rare that those two things meet up like we think they're going to meet up. So I hope they don't overextend themselves, um, you know, in free agency when I think that I think you need you need some leadership on the especially at tackle. I think they can find some, and I do think people underestimate what Kendall Lamb can provide at, at the value of his contract. So um, it'll be interesting. I like the insights, man. We have this. Will, this will not be our last talk leading into the draft. Um, we need more data. The linemen go tomorrow, um, so it'll it'll be it'll be fascinating to keep track of. It'll be fascinating as things keep changing. And like I said to many people, it's it's a it's the first off season where we in a while, maybe since the hiring of Sashi right where we just have no clue what they're going to do we have no clue we haven't really been tipped off we have ideas of what San Francisco sorry but what Minnesota and San Francisco liked on defense we have ideas but we don't know we don't know where they're going to take it so there's a lot of intrigue and I think free agency will truly truly clean up a lot of of where their process is so I'm I'm fascinated with this Jared Mueller make sure you're following him make sure you're reading his content I stole him before the nightlife kicks off in Indy I appreciate you buddy
0: yes sir have a good night man all
1: right guys we will be back um i don't know we'll be back next week uh we'll probably get get a nice little um you know podcast in where we we chat about some of the results we'll try to pull some different people uh get a feel for what's going on with uh you know the overall big picture and then we'll start talking about free agency and before you know it, the draft will be here in late april so it's moving quick we'll be back next week we appreciate the love you guys give us on the twitter handle and the likes and subscriptions and all of the above we appreciate again jared and fred for coming on stay up with the obr stay up with the stuff there. are gonna write on one of my favorite prospects heading into the draft it'll be up tomorrow you're on your way in listening to this check the obr out it'll be up uh again Always appreciate the love. Always appreciate you guys listening. And as usual, go rounds.
0: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an
2: endorsement. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working